Welcome to the Retirement Plan Playbook with Brent Pasqua, Matthew Thiel, and Joshua Winterswijk from RPA Wealth Management. In this podcast, we cover current events, retirement planning strategies, and provide you with the tools to help you build a successful retirement playbook in any political or financial landscape. Join Brent, Matthew, and Joshua as they navigate the issues that can make the later stages of your retirement plan challenging and help you create the best retirement plan playbook. Now, let's get to the show. It's nice to be back in the studio with you guys. It's been a while. Yeah, I'm so happy. It's been way too long of a break from the podcast, but happy to be back. I missed it. Yeah, it wasn't by choice. We just have had some life events that have held us up from being able to record with some clarity. So we are back in the studio, though. I like seeing you guys sitting across and finally being able to, to talk about the markets and the headlines again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing too for the listeners is we like to keep it to like, you know, the three of us. So if like one of us can't make the show for whatever life event or reason, we usually push the show. So that's all. But anyways, Brent, hey, it's been a long time. We know we kind of mentioned a little bit on a previous podcast, but I know you got some big little league news to share. So tell the listeners what happened during to your little league team. Yeah. So after five months of hard work, uh, in June, we ended up winning the Little League Championship for our league. And then we went on to play all of the league winners in our district in the surrounding areas. And then we won that tournament. So basically, we won as much as we could possibly win. And I was so proud of how hard the kids worked, how well they played, how well they came together. And the season came together for them. And I was so super proud of them. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's awesome. What is the tournament called after you've won your, your local league? It's the Tournament of Champions. So, you know, it combines all the districts and their champions, and then we play a big tournament and win that. When you got into Little League, I remember my prediction. I feel like this was like 2016 or 2017. Do you remember what year Landon was in T-ball and you started um, coaching? I think winner of maybe 2018, 2019, what, something what, like that. Okay. I, I made a prediction that I felt like you were going to go to the Little League World Series one day, and I, you know I'm still holding that prediction. So we've got what three years left? Yeah, I mean that's not year. an ambition of mine. I mean I, I think ultimately like you just take it year by year and want to see the kids have fun, and you make it about them, and you want to see them excel and succeed in the positions you put them in, and you want to see them learn most importantly, but you also want to see them come back, and you want to see them be signing up to play again next season, and I think that's the ultimate goal and. We're excited to see their growth. Well, Josh and I have tickets to the 2026 Little League World Series, so <laughs> yeah. we hope to see you there. But we're, right. we're not surprised. You, you I, I know, put in the the work for your team and uh, watching you do it's really, really cool. And just your you know, kind of commitment to the, all the kids. So congratulations on all the hard work. Yeah, it's a big sacrifice, too, because, you know, practices are a lot and games yeah. are a lot. It's a big time commitment. So you know, it's it's nice to see when you put a lot of work in it, to something that just to see some success that comes from that. Yeah. And all the kids look, I mean, all the social media and stuff. And even I went to a couple of games, they all look just happy and, you know, vibing. And it was really cool to see them having so much fun. Yeah. It, it's, it's fun when you work towards a goal and you tell kids like, Hey, if you work harder than everybody else, there's a lot of times you'll realize your goals, your, your goals will be accomplished. And they put in the work, and they deserved it. They worked extremely hard, and ultimately, they they finished the job. And you know that's that's a 
a proud moment to watch. Yeah, absolutely. We're happy for you. You're a great leader. Let's talk about inflation. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about inflation. Yeah, so I guess let's jump in the hot take headlines. Our first one is inflation. It's been so long since we've done a show. I think we even missed um, May's inflation reading. But uh, June just came in uh, about a week ago, and it was 2.9%. And that was you know a little bit lower than expected, but inflation continues to go down. Um, the interest rate, the federal funds rate, is much higher than inflation right now. And that's a good sign. So in inflation is expected to keep decreasing. I think people get a little bit confused, though, when talking about inflation because they're like, hey, it doesn't look like prices are going backwards, right? Like, I think they think like, oh, inflation came in less than expected. That means like chicken prices should go down or egg prices should go down. But that's not how it works, right? It's a year over year reading, correct? Yep. And I guess the the way I see it is... You know, when we get these readings, what it's telling us is the price increases are just slowing down. They're not exactly. stopping. They're not going backwards. And most of the time with inflation, and when we read these readings, and historically we see that prices probably aren't going back to, let's say, pre-COVID, or they're not going to go backwards for the most part. And, you know, I think the reading's good that it's more negative, or excuse me, has decreased. But again, you know, prices are just slowing down from increasing they're not going negative like you're saying yeah if they go negative that's a really bad thing that's called deflation and that leads to like depressions yeah so we don't want that to happen but we're happy the inflation's coming in it's cooling i got nothing more to say is it is it decreasing faster than the feds had thought at this point because it seemed like it like based on the chart like it's going down pretty rapidly yes it's going down faster than, than what a lot of economists expected. It seemed like last year, though, it was just so slow to get any sort of like positive change from the inflation report. I think everyone was so used to it. You know, we peaked at like over 9%. And then as it started to decrease, now we're seeing it down below 3%. And that was a little bit better than expected, you know. Yay, it's good, but we were just in that such high inflationary period for all of last year, and it just seemed like it was never going to break. At least that's the way I felt about it. And is the assumption that the feds will continue to raise rates for the next part of this year, the last half of the year? That's mixed. They paused at the last meeting. Some people expect them to raise, you know, coming up here in the for the July meeting. Personally, I'm not sure. I don't think they need to, but, you know, we'll see. I'm just kind of confused, too, because their whole goal from increasing rates was to battle inflation. And we got this really, really good print. And then they're going to come back in July and say, hey, we're going to raise rates again. Right. It's just to me, it, it doesn't kind of fit their narrative this whole last 18 months. Me either. And then there, actually, let's pivot into another hot take headline, the student loans, because this is actually something that concerns me is student loan payments are starting to back up. If you haven't been following the story, no one's had to make student loan payments since 2020. That's a lot of extra stimulus hitting the economy every month. And while this doesn't impact everybody, it impacts a lot of people probably under 40 and kind of in that prime spending range of 25 to you know 40 or 45 if they still have the loans. I, I think this could be one negative for the economy that a lot of people just aren't seeing right now. I don't understand how a borrower could have a debt that they don't pay on that could have a pretty substantial monthly payment on it. They don't make that payment for two years, and then all of a sudden they're supposed to have an adjustment in their income where they're going to be able to now afford the payment because 
people don't if if someone has a surplus in income they find a way to spend it and absolutely now, and now that they're going to have to go back and reduce spending probably pretty drastically to afford the payment that they got used to not making oh absolutely and and it's for a lot of younger people right so it's not you know maybe high earners or high income where you can easily adjust. This is going to be pretty impactful, in my opinion. I mean, the contrarian take is that, you know, not that many people have student loans in America, so it's not going to affect, like, the broad American public. But I think I'm with you, Matt. I think that this can play a role in, you know, kind of the economy once this starts back up. Yeah, most people, I'd say, when I see student loans, someone comes across, it's usually about a car payment, you know, four or 500 a month yeah, at totally. least. Some people are upwards, you know, a thousand, two thousand a household. That's a lot of money. I think it's a good tip though for any of like parents or grandparents listening too. Like, let's have this conversation even with our like children or our family, right? If you know your children or family members have student loans, like let's review this budget. Like, because, you know, again, it's a car payment. Yeah, absolutely. Are, are they planning on getting rid of some of these student loan debts or are they just pause they pause the payments and now they're reactivating them at their old you know, loan value. Yeah. They're, they're just reactivating them. Um, and the forgiveness I think is still in limbo, right, Matt? We did see some news uh, this morning, actually, that there is going to be some forgiveness on some errors and some corrections on certain student loans, about $39 billion worth of student loans. But this isn't an overall forgiveness for all the people whose payments were just paused. Um, anything else? No, I just think it's, it's pretty much a, sort of a disastrous event for people who this does affect, you know, out of COVID they came out with, there was a lot of money circulating and now there's less money potentially circulating and inflation. We just went through a high inflationary period and now people are going to have to pick up a four six or $800 monthly payment. I just don't see how that's going to end well. Not for those people. I agree. Josh, tell us about NVIDIA. I know you've been in that stock for a while and it's one of the kind of the hot, AI companies, right? And it's been one of the leading stocks in the market this year. What's going on there? Yeah, NVIDIA is, uh, now has reached the trillion dollar market valuation club. Wow. So, which is just, I mean, massive for the company. It joins also Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, and Alphabet um, in this elite club of a trillion dollar valuation for publicly traded companies in the U.S., and this year it just has taken off. And, you know, a lot of this is driven by just, you know, the rebounding of the tech industry, but then also artificial intelligence, AI, which we've talked about on this podcast. And they're well, obviously in a lot of other sectors within the tech industry. But, yeah, just great performing stock. It's been taking off and a lot of this has been driven by the AI. Yeah, it's, we're going to talk about it in a few few minutes. But it's one of the reasons why the stock market's been going higher this year. It's just all the big tech companies go you know, leaning into AI and spending money and, you know, it's good for the market. Is, I don't understand how NVIDIA wasn't a great purchase last year. I mean, I remember I heard Kramer saying on CNBC at the end of last year, like NVIDIA is like a big sell, you like just dump that stock. But the emergence of AI had been happening for, for years and it just hadn't hit the explosion part yet. And then it happened this year, and then all of a sudden now NVIDIA is up almost 200%. I, I just don't know. I, I don't, I'm confused on how that wasn't more seen last year. It's a beautiful thing about investing. Yeah, in my opinion, though, if I'm looking at it just from an investor and full disclosure, I do own the stock. It, AI happened very, very quickly. I don't know. Like I remember it. It launched, or ChatGPT launched. It was in the news. 
and like boom then there was just flood of headlines all over every media that this had come out right and then you just saw every two weeks a new AI company, a new AI product. Now we even have plugins for AI. They've all upgraded their softwares. And to me, you know, that's just how fast markets move and how fast industry moves. Like Matt said, it all just happens so very quickly that, you know, I wish I would have predicted that, but I didn't. <laughs> Nobody really predicted it. The, the amount of spend that it takes to like run an AI bot is incredible. I, I think it's like, you know, a couple billion dollars or something like that just to buy the chips from NVIDIA. Like all the stock analysts were way wrong on their earnings estimates for NVIDIA this year. They, I think they almost doubled what the analysts expected was going to happen. You think the people that the shareholders that work at the company were just sitting there knowing exactly what was about to happen with the potential of their company? I'm sure some of them did. Some I of mean, them they did. Had, have already been working on this. I think the one take you could just say is you said Jim Cramer. Just do the opposite of what he says, and you might be right a lot of the times. I guess where my frustration is with this stock is why I didn't double down on it. <laughs> I already own a good amount of NVIDIA, but yeah. why I just didn't go more, you know, like, I don't understand how, how it just wasn't seen more. Matt and I talked about this, like, Ride your winners, right? Buy your winners. Like, just keep buying them because they've been great performers. I'm in the same boat as you, though. Like, I've I've purchased more of the stock a few times, but it wasn't right before this last boom. So I'm set mad at myself. Quick story, and then we're, we'll move on and talk about something more fun. But your boy tax loss sold it at the end of last year. Oh, oh he did. <laughs> oh, oh wow. no! God, I didn't like, know that. What an idiot! Huh? Yeah, you just not want to tell us. Yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, you have to be kicking yourself a lot. Yeah, I am. But you know what I didn't tax, tax law sell that's coming back? Bitcoin's back. Oh, jeez. Oh, my goodness. Uh, go. We're back. Bitcoin's been rallying. Um, I don't know if crypto as a whole is back, but Bitcoin's proven to be pretty resilient through this bear market. And the big news is that Fidelity um, has has announced that they're, they're getting in the Bitcoin space with uh, ETF with BlackRock and Coinbase. This is pretty cool, and and it sound, most people believe this is going to get approved. Anybody have thoughts or comments, or is this just something that interests me? I don't want to like it, but I do. Yeah, no, I really do. I think that you know, just having an index Bitcoin ETF out there for people to be able to purchase from, you know, just an ease and a, a kind of retail investor point of view, I think it's good. What's crazy is like the futures ETF was was it already approved or is no, I don't further so. along in the process? Further so, along, yeah, like. How the SEC gets, you know, that approved before the just index ETF, I'm not sure. That doesn't make sense to me. But I'm, I think that this is a, a positive for Bitcoin and a positive for kind of retail investors that want exposure without having to, you know, buy physical coins. So good thing for me. The big boys are in. Fidelity BlackRock. I mean, who else do you need? I, I think what's important here for mainstream investors to know is, Instead of you having to buy coins from other custodians like Coinbase, this would give you Bitcoin or crypto exposure in your brokerage account at Schwab Fidelity or somewhere else where it opens you up more to the market rather than having to have another account, which you know is a lot of times a hesitation for somebody to have to go open up a Coinbase or another account at another institution you know, that's that's kind of the hang up for the growth of it as well. Yeah, we could add it to portfolios for clients. Yes. And, and anybody who has a Fidelity account or, or a Schwab account can go and purchase you now crypto through their account, through the ETF. Yeah. 
Yeah, it gives you more awareness instead of having that separate custodian, like you're saying as well. I think that's the one benefit. Besides that, I don't really care. You know, <laughs> I, it's not like I'm going to go out there and start buying this ETF. Like I'd rather double down still at Nvidia's price right now than trying to, you know, go buy some crypto ETFs. What about you, Matt? I'm just kicking myself on Nvidia. <laughs> Let's just not talk about it. But <laughs> hey, I got a fun one for us. What do you guys think of the Apple snow goggles, Apple Vision Pro? Hot when they came out, I haven't thought about them since. <laughs> Very interested to watch the demo video when they first launched these goggles. They look really cool. We, we watched a kind of quick demo video together, Matt, and we were like, wow, these are pretty awesome. But then I haven't even thought about them since that first day. Did you watch them, Brent? No. Can you buy them yet or they're not on the market yet? I don't think they're even for pre-order. I think they come out next year. From my understanding, too, you have to like to buy them. You have to make an appointment with the Apple retail store. They're, they're going to give you like a physical exam to make sure like brains can handle it. I don't know. I, I don't know. But I suggest watching the demo video. It's crazy. If anyone's going to do this like goggle AR thing correct, it's going to be Apple. I would put my chips on that. So. Product. What what does it do though? What are you actually getting out of wearing a, a goggle headset? Like, are you going to be walking around in public with this thing, or are you using it for only an activity like in your home? In my opinion, if you walk around in public with these things, you're going to look like an idiot <laughs> because you could see through it too, right? Like, yes. you, you could see your eyes. So we're going to save that clip. So, like in the future, <laughs> if we ever see Matt walking around with the Apple AR goggles or driving with it <laughs> yeah. i could see him driving with it. like one of the cool demos though is i mean if you've seen like minority report and stuff it, it's basically building a screen in front of you so i mean it's potentially even for work so instead of using a screen like a computer in front of you you're actually working off of this goggle so that was pretty cool but i do recommend anyone who hasn't watched like the demo video to do that i could see it in five years like we'll have some special camera set up in our conference room and our clients will just put on apple vision pro goggles if they have them and meet with us virtually through the apple vision pro and be, it'll be like they're in our conference room i think you know like tim cook calls us a historic moment in launching this product and anytime i think apple calls anything a historic moment for the most part they've always been right i would assume that they see bigger pictures on how they can use this thing probably it opens up a whole nother part of the market that we're probably not realizing that they could do at this point. Mm -hmm. You know who it's going to be perfect for? The biggest use case that I think is people who travel a lot, especially for business, pop these on the airplane and you got like a movie theater just right, right on top of your eyes. That's pretty cool. Also, just like I see a lot of family, like FaceTime has has been so great for like people who are like distanced. Mm -hmm. And I think it it brings like another like dimension um, to like, FaceTiming and like seeing family and phone calls and, and kind of bringing that together. So I think that's also a really cool feature of it. I'm really nervous for the young generation though. Uh, parents don't get your kids, these products. Like th- this is something that's just going to absolutely ruin them. I would like to take a gamble that, or a wager that Matt's the first one to buy one though. <laughs> I, I think so. He, he has a pretty strong interest. I will say. Right. So he's, he's, he's interested. Oh yeah. 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 And especially uh, here's the kicker. If it, they have some sort of cool golf application or fix your game. Oh, he's going to be able to play golf on this. So then he that is, in my opinion, my votes that he is the first one to get it. Pre, pre-kids, Matt, would like be ordering this for sure. But with kids, Matt, this isn't something like you really want to probably wear around your kids. And 
you know, I'm around my kids most of the day when I'm not at the office. So this is a no for me. So probably, so where I could see you using this is we could see, we'll see you at the office and you'll have a golf club in your office with a headset on. So we'll walk in and you'll just be on pebble beach on your visual headset and swinging the golf club as you take your shots. Yeah, absolutely. So you're telling me if they have a golf app, that's just dynamic, awesome, going to fix your game. You're not, you're not buying this thing. Probably not. Not, not (laughs) first generation. I'm telling you like, dude, you're putting goggles on around your kids. Like that's weird, man. Yeah. I don't, it's pretty cool though. Pretty yeah. new invent, pretty neat new invention, and you know, it ties into the way that tech is advancing right now. And Apple, right? They're continuing to innovate, which per- is awesome to see. Personally, I just don't think this product's for any of us. Maybe, maybe we're too old. Yeah. What's happening with the Saudis, with Messi, with Miami? As one of the last headlines for today, but what's what's going on here? Well, there's a lot going on with the Saudis, not only in golf but in soccer. This transfer window, so soccer globally has windows where players can transfer from team to team, and the summer is the biggest transfer window. And this summer, the Saudi Arabian League has been spending ridiculous amount of money. Ronaldo was one of their biggest first signings to join the Saudi League to try to lure players to play in their professional soccer league. But over the last few weeks, actually one of the biggest stars in soccer – now Messi, who played for PSG and previously Barcelona and the Argentine national team, actually joined Inner Miami, which is a part of the MLS, which is our American Soccer League, which was you know a huge headline, a huge event, and just huge for the growth of American soccer. I think one of the biggest um, storylines to this headline also is that Messi took a lot less upfront money. Saudis offered him quite a lot more money to join their league. He took less money to join Inter Miami here in America and kind of talked about the reasons, one being kind of his young family and raising them here in America. So, yeah, Matt, Matt what are your thoughts? Well, I think part of the deal got left out. He, Messi's betting on you know himself and soccer in America because he he negotiated part of the Apple TV soccer deal, so he's getting the rights to all new Apple TV Plus subscribers who buy the MLS package, and then he also did a, a merchandise deal with Adidas where he's getting a, a split share of his jerseys and ownership. Oh yeah, and ownership. That's of the what club. I was going to ask. Does he get ownership in Miami? Yeah, yeah, in uh, Miami, and they're just they just. They're building their brand new stadium, so that club is is really expanding. This is similar, though. It reminds me, if you guys remember, when when David Beckham came to America, he joined the LA Galaxy. Yes, and you know now we can look back and how much more money he made than just signing the contract in for the LA Galaxy. He made tons of money on endorsements, on partnerships, and it ended up tripling the amount of money he made here in America. So and he's teaming up with David Beckham on this on this whole venture and deal. So he's taking that David Beckham, you know, blueprint, bringing it here to Inter Miami with him. I think it's a smart move and I'm I'm happy to see him play in America. I'm happy too. And Josh, I I want to know, am I going to get to see him play in America this year? Rumor has it you have the Miami LAFC tickets. Am I am I your guy? I do. Or are you not going to announce that? I'm. I'm not announcing that. I might. I might just. Do you know how much those tickets are selling for? Yeah, but like we should go, dude. You should take. Is me. he going to play though? 
Is it, well, you know, as it gets closer, we'll see. But we could potentially sell those tickets and pay for all of next year's tickets. Have you ever seen Messi play? No, I haven't. Messi, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Messi is one of the best players ever to play. But he played for Barcelona. I'm a Cristiano Ronaldo guy. I mean, if it's Cristiano Ronaldo, I'd be going. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. It'd be pretty cool to have all that money living in Miami, though. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of luxury there. Yeah. All right, let's get into the retirement planning corner. Tell us a little bit about the market, the year-to-date returns, and how this quarter went. This quarter was, well, this year's been bonkers, but like in a good way, right? So the NASDAQ composite, the NASDAQ index, is up 36%. But if you take the top 100 stocks in the NASDAQ, they call that the NASDAQ 100, I believe it's up 41 or 42%. That's astronomical. Like what we're doing is making back all of last year's losses right now. Yeah, NASDAQ was the worst performer last year. I think negative thirty three percent. S and P five hundred is up seventeen, and it was down nineteen and a half last year. Yep. And then the Dow Jones is the laggard, which is only up three percent. But we're getting a big market rally, and it's caught so many people off sides right now. It's just, you know, one of those things where you could just never predict what's going to happen with the stock market. So many people were bearish going into this year, and it's been the exact opposite. The economy is really strong. Inflation is coming down, and stocks are going higher. What, like, what, do you, what else do you want, you know? I think just because of last year and, and just the negative headlines and inflation not coming down and interest rates being hiked so quickly, and the bear market last year lasted forever. I think it was over, you know, 225 days, right, that that bear market lasted. We were like kind of getting used to this, like, negative world we were living in. So to see this, you know, very good start to the year, one of the best starts to the year, is refreshing. And to see also that the economy is, is a lot stronger than everyone thought. Well, this year hasn't been the market going up the entire time, though. I mean, although... We're seeing that the NASDAQ is up as high as it is and the S&P is as high as it is. There was a stretch from March to the end of May where there was virtually nothing but negative to no movement in the market. And we weren't sitting that high with positive returns. Yeah, because all of it came with in January. And, yes. then, and then it kind of strolled down. Not very volatile as far as big swings. Right. But, but uh, yeah, no, absolutely. It hasn't been just straight going up. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it has come in the month of June. I mean, a big portion has came in January and in June. And, you know, it, it, but it hasn't been a, a year of just constant inclines of the market. We saw last year where it was just constantly declining a lot last year. Yeah, you're right. If, you're, if you've been paying attention um, and you are on the sidelines, the market gave you plenty of times to get in this year. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I think there's going to be some other buying opportunities coming up though this summer. Um, it's been on a pretty big run since the debt ceiling. And this latest inflation data is just helping move it higher. But, you know, usually the market pulls back for a little bit. It stalls, like you said, Brent. And then, you know, I, I expect it the, to continue, you know, after the fall and move up into the, you know, December. What, what data is out there showing that the rest of this year could be good? Well, so we have a lot of positive data on our side right now to support, like, really, you know, starting to buy stocks right now. And so this was the 14th best start to a year for stocks. And this is, we have data going back to 1926. On, on average, when the first six months of the year are positive, stocks return 7.8% the rest of the year. So we could still have some pretty big gains to go this year. 
Josh, tell us about how consumer confidence impacts stocks. Yeah, what we really see, though, with consumer confidence and as it increases is it really reflects good stock market returns to follow. So these are just another trends that we like to look at that historically, when we see this type of consumer sentiment change, we're going to see potentially higher returns going forward. So just another case for higher stock returns. So if we saw, because we saw interest rates go up right all last year and then a big, and we hit kind of a peak throughout part of this year. And we saw so much money move from stock over to bonds or to savings accounts. Is that money now already coming back to stocks? And that's why the stock market is going up. Or is that money yet to start moving over to stocks? I think it probably has slowly, but it's, it doesn't come in as fast as it goes out. Right. So that's what creates those really scary down days. Like we had last year's money's just flying out of the market so fast. It never flies in fast. It's always slow and steady. Like this year reminds me so much of 2013 or 2003. And those were years coming out of kind of like poor stock returns, poor economic environment, people feeling down and not happy and, you know, predicting more negative returns because people always predict, you know, negative return means more negative returns, right? That's how people think. And instead those were plus 30% years just like we're having now. So somebody's still sitting on the sideline with money and cash or sitting in short-term treasuries. Did they miss the boat on the returns of the market? I mean, you look at the NASDAQ, NASDAQ's up 37%. Did they miss it or do they still have time to get in? I don't think so. You didn't miss it. Like if you bought in 2013, at the end of 2013, you didn't miss anything. You know, we had a bull market that lasted, what, 10 years, nine years after that, eight years? Always be buying. I mean, that's yeah. my take, right? Like, even if you thought you've missed it, and I think you mentioned this earlier, like, there still could be potentially a lot of return left in this year, especially off the data we saw historically. So keep buying. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that goes to, like, what we've been telling clients, right? So what are we telling clients this quarter? Get invested. If you're conservative, bonds are paying 5%. That's perfect. Get in bonds. Like, let's start buying bonds. Even you could go longer duration than short-term treasuries. Um those are still pretty. I saw like a ten years at four percent. Yeah, I mean it's great. Like lock that in four percent for ten years. Yes. Yeah, we were doing a lot of rebalancing last year and for the first part of this year as we saw you know stock allocations kind of drop down below the target allocation. We were bringing them back up, so we were adding to the quantity of shares that clients own in their equity positions, so that it was helpful as prices come back up. The recovery was a lot quicker. Personally, we didn't ever get in a position with our clients where we started getting scared or panicked last year, selling off positions. We know how this kind of works. We've been through it so many times that we just, you know, you keep doubling down at that point. You know, we didn't sell our NVIDIA shares. <laughs> uh, tax loss. But, you know, the, as an advisor, the worst thing you could do for a client is take them out of the market because you're never going to know when to get back in. And I think that, like, one thing we, last year we talked a lot about, like in towards the end of the year, cash management and buying treasury bills and kind of using some different like short term strategies. But we can't lose focus on like, and we use the word all the time, diversification, right? Having that balance, like what's right for you. So then you're not in a situation where you're flipping one way to the other, right? It doesn't have to be that position, that situation for yourself. And you should be buying everything right like there's good opportunities out there for treasury bills if that's what you're into there's equity opportunities like we're constantly looking for opportunities for our clients that fit their plan but we can't stay stagnant either we need to keep t- 
taking those opportunities as they arise. Yeah, I'm, I, like I have an aggressive personality, so I, you know I want to buy stocks. That's a really good point right now. If you're planning retirement or you're close or in retirement, to be sitting on T bills with as high as rates are. I mean, there's not many people that are going to squawk at a guarantee five five four percent. You know, five two five percent no. right now. I mean, rates are still so outstanding. But even you closer don't have to, to like the risk. Yeah, no, totally. Sorry to cut you off, but even close to five percent on like a two year. Right, like you have a two-year time horizon, and you're locking in five percent. And as we're seeing rates to kind of start to come down because the market's ripping, like you know, those are good opportunities for people that are getting close to retirement. Absolutely, I feel like this decade could end up being like the '90s. And if you look back through like market history and you know history, like the '90s were probably one of the best times to actually retire. Rates were you know six, seven, eight percent on long-term bonds, so you could put your money in bonds and you know incredible interest and the stock market was absolutely booming every year so not only are your bonds making money your stocks are making money it was great for 60 40 portfolio you know that was during the pc revolution right now we have the ai revolution going on like, it's a great time to retire yeah it's a great time to invest yes absolutely investing. yeah you know people the people that are missing out are people that don't know how to invest or people that are sitting in cash you know, right now is not a time to be sitting in cash. They're scared. They're watching CNN, MSNBC, Fox. You know, they think, uh, you know, everything's bad. And, you know, there's going to be World War Three and the economy is going to crater. Do you feel that, Brent? Like, like so far this year, what has been the feeling when, when clients come in for their review? Do they feel like or do they really know how well the market's done? Or do they still feel like we're in this like rut of last year? No, I think most people are feeling the rut of last year. Most people are surprised to see where their portfolio returns are this year, which is actually somewhat surprising to me. But, you know, again, it kind of goes back to this bull market has been June and uh, January and June. Sure. So it is relatively newer to this year that this market has increased so much. But most people are still stuck in the, the, I think, the negative news of what happened last year and what they're hearing for this year. And then there's, they're also now starting to focus on next year's election year. And so I think all that sort of negativity in terms of like what's happening in the stock market is flooding into right now. And they're surprised to see where returns are. Yeah, that's what, that's what I see as well. And I, I just wanted you to make that, that good point because there is some you know, reasons to celebrate this good start to the year. So what should clients be doing right now as a strategy to invest? You know, get invested, get their cash working. You know, if you're conservative, we, we said we like the bonds, right? Bonds are in a really good position here. Stocks, awesome. You know, if you're aggressive, you could dollar cost average. But yeah, I'll get with your advisor and, you know, make sure your plan's in order. If you don't have an advisor, great time to hire an advisor. We're at the start of a new bull market. I agree. I think dollar cost averaging is important. You know, I think some people probably neglect to look in their portfolio to see if they have their positions paying to cash or dollar cost averaging. When your dividends and interest on your stocks or bonds are paying, if you're having that interest or those dividends paid to cash, you could have missed out a really big benefit from last year. While prices were down, you could have picked up more shares at a very low price. So I think it is an important tactic to have and be looking at it within your portfolio. Totally. And, and also just always looking for opportunities to rebalance, right? You, you want to make sure that you keep that good balance, that good allocation relative to your target. So looking for those rebalance opportunities is going to lead to higher expected rates of return long-term. I think what I hear you guys say too is now's a good time to like go back and look at your portfolio, right? Let's, let's look, 
continue to bring that awareness to your situation because now there is a lot of good opportunity out there. Yeah, and, and just one tip for people, don't get overly bullish. You know, we're obviously excited. We're advisors. We're very connected to this. You know, this is how we make our living. But uh, I, I saw so many people get way too ahead of their skis in 2021. And then last year, they're like, you know, wanting to jump out of the out of the building. Like, just, you know, be more balanced when you're investing. It's good for us. We keep each other accountable here. So I think we, we could all get one way or the other a little bit too much. You mean when I was getting too crazy on crypto and NFTs? I didn't want to say any names. I didn't want to point anybody out. But, you know, we hold each other accountable in this office. Yeah, hey, that's what you do. What do you guys do in your personal portfolio? Let's talk about that. What I'm doing right now is I'm doing sort of a, a summer cleaning in my portfolio. I've cleaned out some of the meaningless stocks that I've held for a period of time. And meaningless, meaningless stocks to me mean that they're not having a real impact on your portfolio, either one, because there's not a lot of movement happening with it, or number two, you're not, you don't own enough of that stock to have meaning in your portfolio. And so when you're trying to manage your portfolio, it will get choppy and messy. So I've cleaned out some of those shares. I've moved those shares over to what our investment philosophy is, and that is you know, buying the, the, the whole market, which is the, the, the main philosophy of my overall portfolio. But I do own individual stock positions, so I've cleaned some of those meaningless stocks out. I have increased some of my shares in my other stock positions that I like to have a, a larger quantity of. And so I've been kind of on a summer cleaning to clean things out lately. This is not my, mine is an advice for everybody, but I'm going to be honest and say what I'm doing. I'm increasing my positions in the stocks. That's good. Uh, Brent, I think that that's uh, more along the lines of what I'm doing. Clean up, right? Not doing really much, right? I want to also the positions I liked. I mean, I'm in this for the long term and I buy a lot of the, my stock positions and just overall mutual funds and ETFs to hold them for a long time. But now that we've had some recovery, I have cleaned up a little bit of the portfolio and given me a little bit more cash to see some other opportunities, like maybe potentially adding positions or buying something else that I, I really like. So good, good time to clean up. I have to catch my rate of return up with yours since you have NVIDIA and I don't. I just wanted to say I'm doing nothing, but I, I can't. I, I want to be fully transparent. I have sold a couple positions. But- yeah. Uh, but you didn't sell NVIDIA, did you? No. I'll never sell NVIDIA. Are you kidding? No. If you look on our uh, portfolio software, he's like the top performing person. Yeah. No, I'd, I'll never sell NVIDIA. I, that was, again, there's winners and losers, right? I can I have losers. And those are the ones I just sold. Um, but NVIDIA was my top my top dog. I'm going to go down with the ship with that company. Yeah, I don't blame you. I, I'm, I'm, I've been riding that bull, too, and I, I'll keep on that. Oh, yeah. yeah. You bought that, like, three weeks, into, three weeks into starting your job here at RPA, I feel like. And you're like, oh, buy this stock. It's good. I read about it. And I was like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously. No, it, all stemmed, it actually stemmed from Tesla. Right. They, they, I mean, I don't think they don't do the chips for Tesla anymore, but back then they did. And it was, like, exposure to Tesla and, and chip making, and I liked it. So, thanks, so, Matt. <laughs> so what what are you doing, Matt, in your financial plan right now? Then, oh, so we have our new son, which we, you know we talked about on the last show. But I need to get his five twenty nine up. Probably need to add some life insurance for my wife and I, especially on her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I can pro- help you with the five twenty nine plan, by the way, too. Oh, th- thanks. You're welcome. Do you want to open it for me so I don't have to do the work? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Be my gift to Nolan. That, that's awesome. Are you gonna put put a hundred bucks in there too? If you make me the Godfather, I'll do the work for you, <laughs> dude. You're the Godfather of all my kids. Like it's just a smart bet. 
And then my living trust. Yeah, so I'm a bad advisor. I don't have a trust. I need to get that done ASAP. I don't. I don't understand like how how that's not done yet. When you know we tell you to get that done, and then you tell your clients to get that done. This is like a conversation every two weeks. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's talk about somebody else's financial. Right, well, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that gets done before our next pod. I'm a, I'm doing you know inflation, interest rates going up. I bought a car. It's all about budget awareness going into the end of the year for me. Um, so life insurance is all good. I think, uh, I still have to get my living trust. So I can't cap on that too much about that. Um, that's still on my agenda. And, uh, but yeah, uh, I think good time for everybody. Um, and it's always a good time, but bringing some awareness to spending, uh, especially after this high inflationary period and with interest rates changing one tip out there too, if you have any variable, like home equity lines of credit, credit cards, your payments are probably changing. So definitely stay on top of that. Yeah, you're not going to want to roll debt month over month, not in this market right now. No, and if you have like a home equity line of credit or second that was variable and that went from 4 to 10, uh, your payment went up. Yeah, I mean, that's a good argument for don't worry about what you're earning in your high-yield savings account. Pay off that debt. Totally. Right now, I'm putting more, obviously, into my 401k plan every single, every other week. I'm just continuing to double down on buying more shares in this market. We did that last year. We knew last year was a great time to continue to buy more in your 401k plan. Keep putting, I just keep putting in contributions like you guys. That's a, a, a very easy way to build wealth long-term. And One of um, the best ways. Yeah. And then also making just sure that every dollar that you're not going to use over the next couple of weeks is in a high-yield savings account. I mean, high-yield savings accounts are playing over 4% right now. Besides money that you're using on a month-to-month or week-to-week basis, like that money should be in a high-yield savings account. Mm-hmm. Everything should be earning interest pretty much right now. And the other thing I'm doing my in my financial plan is I need to make another good contribution to my kids' 529 plans. I mean, my son turned nine this year. He's halfway to college, and college tuition is increasing by extraordinary percentages. So I, I'm going to miss the mark on what I would like to have saved for him because of the way cost is going up for college. So I'm, I need to even put more into that and, and focus on helping get him ready for college. That's crazy to think about. It's halfway there. I'll help you. We'll, do, we'll run some projections. I'll be your financial planner on this one. Yeah, we have, I have a few clients that have their kids in college right now, and it's like 50000 a year for university. Yeah. I mean, it is so expensive. That's one of the bad stats is that college tuition is has grown faster than inflation over the last what twenty five years. Right. Pick those state schools. I went to this, we all went to state like state schools. Like yep, education's good. Like it's all about the person, not about where they go to school. All right, let's kick off the RPA recommends. I'm going last, so whoever wants to jump in and go first can go. I'll go first. I subscribe to a lot of these, but a lot of good like content creators and thinkers and authors, or I mean, pick your poison, but have email subscriptions. Like it, to give you an example, I subs- one of the ones I do is like Morning Brew. So I subscribe to Morning Brew and it sends me all of the top stories, market news in the form of an email. But then I also do this with like, there's a, a golf um, writer that puts out a newsletter and sends that directly to my inbox. 
So it's just been, uh, that's my recommendations. If you have a passion, you have a hobby, you have an industry, there's so many good, there's so much good content that comes directly in the form of an email subscription. Check it out. Do you guys have any email subscriptions? Yeah, I do. And I, I like reading the articles that come from them. Yeah, I have a ton. Brent, what's your recommend? My recommend is to, if you're thinking about doing a trip or you want to travel, I know it's summertime and maybe you just don't want to either spend the money on it or you're just thinking about putting it off. Don't put things off. Just go and enjoy them. You know, some of the best trips you take are ones that you just kind of sort of last minute plan. I don't have like a product recommend, but it's, you know, hey, if you are thinking about doing something that would be one of your bucket list things or something that you really enjoy, don't wait till next year. Just go do it now. Spend the money and go do it now. You know, you'll it'll be worth it nine out of ten times. I'll book that trip to Japan and Thailand right after this pod. Really? That's where you want to go? I've never been there. Okay, let's talk about myself. Um, guys, I got new golf clubs. <laughs> <laughs> and here's my recommends, though, for, for the people who like to golf out there. Because um, I didn't know, like, really what I was doing. I'm an awful golfer. But I got fitted. And is I'm really happy with the process. If you're going to be spending money on golf clubs and you know buying a premium set from like a TaylorMade, a Titleist, a Callaway, get on, go down there, get on the simulator, get measured out. It was a really good experience for me. How many times do you have to be fitted? Uh, technically, probably just once. <laughs> okay. Are you happy with your clubs? I, I mean, I'm still not good at golf, but yeah, I'm happy with the purchase. They, they look really nice. Thanks. They are nice. They feel like the right set for me when I hold them. Like they're the right length. When when I make contact with the ball, it goes like nice and far. Just I'm just not that good. So if you're a client of Matt's that's listening, then make sure you reach out to him. He could probably use some practice with those golf clubs. Reach out to him, have him take you out on the golf course and get around in with him. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, he needs to he need to get some more swings with those sticks. I we do. call it we call them the stealth bombers here in this office. Or Matt's the stealth bomber now with his new clubs. Well, we're glad to be back. We're glad to be back in the studio recording, and we're glad to be together doing this recording. So we'll, we'll try to make sure that we're back in the studio launching our pods every other week like we would normally do. But, you know, it's always great to, to do this and to have you all listening. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Plan Playbook. Click the following button to be notified when new episodes become available. To get in touch with our team, call us at 909-296-7977 or visit our website at www.rpawealth.com to schedule a complimentary consultation. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of RPA Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.